Gracious God, forgive the sins of the preacher, for they are many, that only your word may be proclaimed and only your truth be heard. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In most artistic endeavors, being repetitive is not seen as a virtue. If Van Gogh only painted vases of yellow flowers, he probably would not be remembered. If Shakespeare only changed the names of his characters, but not the dialogue, we would not know his name. If every song recorded by Bruce Springsteen was just a re-release of Born in the USA, he would not sell out even the smallest of concert venues. But I hope to be remembered as a one-trick pony, as a preacher who only had one thing to say, as someone who just repeated the same old song Sunday after Sunday. Because I know of only one thing worth saying in a pulpit. In response to hearing God's word proclaimed in scripture, in gathering as beloved community in Christ, in hearing the message of forgiveness, in preparing to receive the sacrament of Christ's body and blood, in becoming attuned to the movements of the Spirit in our midst, there is only one message that is fitting. The grace of God in Jesus Christ. Grace is the beautiful, comforting, transforming, and wonderful message of Jesus. The message of grace is that we are fully known, chosen, forgiven, supported, and loved by the God who created all things, who came to us in Jesus, who died on a cross and rose again on the third day. And this is all true because God is love, not because we've earned it or deserved it, meaning that our belovedness is a gift that can never be lost or taken away. And that message of grace, when that gets into our bones, it changes everything. Grace gives us a foundation of love to build upon. Grace is why we can trust that all shall be well. Grace is why we are freed from the burdens of our past. Grace is how we live in expectant hope. Grace gives us peace, even amidst the chaos of life. Grace beckons, inspires, and enables us to live as the renewed and redeemed children of God. And so I hope that I will never stray from that message of grace. Between Sundays, Wednesdays, special services, weddings and funerals, I preach at least a hundred times a year. And if I kept at it for another century, I would not even begin to exhaust the breadth and the depth of the message of God's infinite and abundant grace. So by all means, please, accuse me of being a repetitive preacher, because as long as it's a message of grace, it would be the highest compliment I could ever receive. And I mention all this because through today's scripture reading, I'm going to preach about the timelessness of grace. Grace is a message that never goes out of style and has no expiration date. There are three ways in which we experience and categorize time, and grace applies amazingly all of it. We begin with the past. 
Not necessarily because it was first, but rather because it's the phase of time that many of us struggle with the most. Yes, the past is what brought us to this present moment. The past has made us who we are. There are wonderful memories, formative experiences, outstanding accomplishments in the past. To be sure, we have much to be grateful for. A lot of us, though, struggle with the mistakes that are in the past as well. We wonder about those paths that we did not take, the opportunities that never materialized, the what-ifs of life. We replay in our minds what we should have said differently, what we could change if we were given a do-over, what pains and shames we would like to erase from our story. What the grace of God says to our past, though, is that our past does not define us. We are not the worst thing that we have ever done. Our mistakes and shortcomings do not define us because we are defined by the grace of God. We are always loved and already forgiven. And so the past, it has no bearing on our worthiness or our belovedness. This gracious message is what we heard about in the prophet Jonah, which is a book full of grace. The section we heard this morning began with grace. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The word came a second time because the first time it came, it didn't go exactly as planned. You might know the story. God called Jonah and told him to go to Nineveh. The Ninevites were fierce enemies of Israel. They would have been seen as heathens and barbarians. Jonah had no interest in either confronting those sorts of scoundrels or in giving them a chance to repent. So Jonah ran as far as he could. And when he got to the sea, he found a boat and got in. This displeased God. And so when a storm rose up, Jonah realized you can never outrun God. So he jumped overboard to save the ship and was swallowed by a large fish where he remained for three days until that fish transported him to the shores of Nineveh before spitting him up there. And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The Bible is the story of a patient and gracious God who gives us all a second chance. Abraham was a manipulative coward at times, and yet God continues to be in a covenant with him. King David commits unspeakable atrocities, and yet God is steadfast to the promise. St. Peter denied Jesus on the night of his arrest, and yet is forgiven and restored after the resurrection. St. Paul was the fiercest persecutor of the early church, and yet that's the one that God chose to be the chief evangelist of the church. Jonah disobeyed God, and yet God did not reject him or revoke his credentials as a prophet. The Ninevites weren't even Jewish. They were not followers of the God of Israel, and even they received God's mercy. If there's an example of grace, that's it. They didn't even know they needed a second chance, and yet they were given one. And it's not just a second chance. Jesus tells us that we are to forgive 77 times, meaning without limit. The church is a society built on a second chance, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth. 
There is no limit to God's forgiveness, no maxing out on mercy. The message of grace speaks to our failings and our regrets, redeeming all that is in our past. God created out of the chaos of nothingness and has worked with plenty of sinners throughout the ages. So whatever it is that you did or did not do, God's grace is for you. God's mercy is more definitive than anything in the past. The next aspect of grace is found in the future. In a sense, the future is the opposite of the past. Whereas the past seems closed off and determined, the future is open and uncertain, which sometimes leads us to have fear and anxiety about it. Because many of us don't like uncertainty, we try to exert control over the future by overplanning everything and being overly directive. But we cannot control the future any more than we can control the weather. Our anxiety and desire for control, it makes us see others, sometimes even ourselves, as competitors instead of companions. And so what the message of grace does for the future is that it fills it with hope. We heard in 1 Corinthians that the present form of this world is passing away. Now the point is not that our relationships, griefs, celebrations, and labors are meaningless or unimportant. It's just that those things are not eternal, final, or definitive. Yes, sometimes we have a reason to mourn, but the mourning does not last forever. We have certain relationships and arrangements but the hope of grace is that one day, all of us will be perfectly reconciled to God and one another through the love of Christ. We are all given holy work to do, the work of justice, compassion, generosity, but our fate will not be determined by how well we do that work. All things are passing away, just as surely as the sands slip through the hourglass. But that does not mean that anything is lost. The future is not a place without history. Rather, it is a place where all history is perfected. It's what St. Julian of Norwich has been telling us for 600 years through her writing, that all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Well, the future is the place of that wellness. And the truth of a future that is full of grace means that the future is not something to worry about. Rather, the future is something that we entrust to God, the God who loves us as our good shepherd and loving mother. And then we have the present, which is, in a sense, the only time that any of us have ever known. Yes, we can reflect on the past, we can consider the future, but we always do it from the present. The present is the only time we are truly alive. Now the present, that's also when all of those past regrets and the future uncertainties meet, which is why so many of us experience the present as a time of stress and anxiety. Because from the present, we can look to the past and the future, and it just becomes overwhelming to consider all of eternity from the vantage point of one single moment. It's no wonder that we struggle with addictions to numb us, depression that dulls us, anxiety that makes us restless. 
And so how grace is manifest in the present is as a peace that passes all understanding. It's why people who are given a cancer diagnosis can be people of strength. Why people in Ukraine and Gaza plant crops. Why those who struggle with generational poverty still work for a better tomorrow. It's what we heard in this morning's psalm that God is our rock and salvation, our stronghold and our refuge. We don't have to worry about redeeming our past or determining the future, which means that the present is a gift in which we can participate in the love of God. We don't have to come up with our own story because we are a part of God's glorious and eternal story. We don't have to determine the meaning of our lives because our worth is secure in the love of God. Our home, our foundation is in the gracious gift of God. And that allows us to find rest and peace in the present. It's what Jesus means when he proclaimed the good news, that the kingdom of God has come near. God is always near to us. Sometimes manifest as the beauty of a sunrise, a blossoming flower, the compassion of a stranger, a word of scripture, the music of a symphony, a word of forgiveness, an embrace of love, an act of generosity, a little piece of bread, or a sip of wine. Our struggle today with the world is not that people don't believe in God anymore. It's not that we struggle with questions of faith. It's not even that life is too busy or too challenging. No, what plagues us is that we struggle with paying attention. Between our remorse about the past and our concerns about the future, we end up distracted from the present moment. And the present moment is the only time that we get to experience grace. Because love happens in moments of time. But a relationship of grace with the past and the future allows us to stand solidly in the present. As one theologian has put it, the present is when time touches eternity. In other words, the present is when the kingdom of God comes near. And so to focus on this present aspect of grace, you might try some centering prayer using a mantra like the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, using a rosary, or just sitting quietly and being. Maybe if you need help remembering that God is your rock and your refuge, you can try to find a nice looking rock and just keep it in your pocket. You might do prayers every night of gratitude. The peace of the present that comes through grace is about enjoying our forgiveness and being aware of our belovedness. This grace that suffuses our past, future, and present is a gift that God intends for us to not only have, but to use. And this is why Jesus tells us that we are to become fishers of people. The message of grace is the best news there is. It liberates us from all of the regrets of the past, assuages our anxieties about the future, and allows us to receive peace in the present. Grace allows us to experience life as the gift that it is, instead of life being something to get through and endure. Grace gives us mercy 
hope, and peace. And once you've come and seen this grace, then our holy work is to tell others, come and see this amazing grace that is making all things well, our past, our future, and our present. Grace is the gift of love from the God who is and was and forever shall be, the God who is with us and for us in Jesus. That's our story, and I'm sticking to it.